0: Hello
1: everyone, this is Yulei Strate. Today I'm hosting Shrikant Kanan as part of the Making Remote Work series. Shrikant is an Associate Professor of Strategy at the Fisher College of Business, Ohio State University. Broadly, his research investigates how to design organizations and interorganizational relationships to be more effective and more innovative. He has studied mergers and acquisitions, joint ventures, outsourcing and offshoring relationships, and global product development. He regularly consults and teaches with companies across Asia, Europe, and North America. He has received several awards for his contribution to management knowledge. He's a member of various editorial boards. His research has been published in business press and has been widely presented at research conferences around the world. On this episode, we dissect coordination, coordination, remote settings. What are the different types? What works best when? How to combine coordination strategies for better results. We also discuss offshoring and outsourcing during the current move to forced remote work due to COVID-19. We also touch on the short and long-term effects diversity can have on team performance. Making Remote Work is a limited series led by the organizational design community and hosted by Skills for Mars. It is a public service video podcast in response to the COVID-19 pandemic. It will host over 20 researchers and practitioners in the field of distributed work. They will share their insights and knowledge to support companies and employees who are making this transition. If you do find these types of conversations useful, you can support the podcast by subscribing to it. To access the video podcast and subscribe for free to my YouTube channel, go to youtube.com forward slash skillsformars and hit the subscribe button. Alternatively, you can go to skillsformars.com and click the YouTube confirm your subscription button. And now I give you Shrikan Kanan. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Making Remote Work. Today, I have the honor of welcoming Srikant Kannan, Associate Professor of Strategy at The Ohio State University. Srikant, welcome to Making Remote Work.
2: Thank you, Yulia. I'm very happy to be here.
1: Excited as well. For everyone to get to know you a bit better, could you introduce yourself and your research, especially as it is related to remote and distributed work?
0: Thank you. Yes.
2: for uh, my dissertation, and for quite some time, I have been looking at uh, how companies offshore work to remote locations and uh, outsource it to other companies. And by definition, that is remote work. Um, so uh, I have been looking at some of these things for some um, for a few years now, and I'm very excited to share some of the uh, findings that I have from my work.
1: Perfect. I'm particularly curious because I used to work for a company that actually offshored its R&D departments and even manufacturing departments to Romania. I'm Romanian as nationality. So I'm curious to learn what your research says, because I could witness some of the good and the bad of offshoring on my own skin for about eight years.
0: Right,
2: right. So in general, uh, one of the reasons why offshoring does not work is uh, because companies have not designed and taken into account the kind of interdependence that goes into work setting, So think about it this way. Uh, Suppose two people are working on a project and uh, they need input from each other. So if uh, I have a question, I walk over to your desk, Yulia, what do you think? Is this the right way to approach this? And you say, well, Sri, perhaps, you know. We should think about it this way. We have this quick discussion. We go back. We do our work. Now, suddenly, you are sitting in Romania, and I'm sitting in the U.S. How do we make this uh, informal interaction work? And that has always been a big challenge, and that is something that, in my research, I found two things, interestingly. The first thing that I found was uh, companies or managers actually downplayed how important that is. They they just did not realize how important informal interactions were to uh, effectively do the work that you needed to get done. And the second interesting finding was even when they realized how important it was, they chose not the most effective strategies to, uh, to make it work. So for instance, here is an, here is an example that uh, I
0: can kind of easily give, which is um,
2: suppose Yulia and I, we are working together all the time. Um, and we all have we have these informal conversations. Now suddenly Yulia is in Romania, I'm in the US. What companies tended ended to do was to say, well, all we need to do is provide a webcam and a, and a, and, a, and a video conferencing channel so that they can continue to talk. But you know, Romania is like what eight hours ahead of me, right? So when I'm waking up and I'm ready to get to work, is just you know all done, and you are about to you know go home. Uh, you are tired. Um, that is perhaps not the best strategy. Something else that could have been done is to try and ensure that you can go ahead with your work without having to talk so much to me, and I can go ahead with my work without having to talk so much. to you. So just because there is interdependence between the jobs we do does not necessarily mean that you and I need to be interdependent. That could be taken care of systemically at the end in, in how the tasks are designed.
1: It's very interesting. So, how does that work? Because in all common sense, you think that if the job is interdependent, then the people have to be interdependent as well.
2: That is not necessarily true. So, what we could do is we could look at how these interdependencies are are structured, and we can uh, change the job design so that the people need not be interdependent. I mean, this is a very, very stupid example. but think about it this way right i mean 20 years back if you had to uh, if you had to get a check from one bank to another bank 30 years back you would write a check somebody would verify it then you need to take that you need to go walk to the other bank you need to give it to them then they need to verify it and for you to get the transfer the money from one bank to another bank would take you like a week or more and that is because the banks are interdependent right they need to make sure that the person writing the check actually has the money and is authorized to write that check then it needs to go there right it was it was it was difficult work now all that happens in the space of one hour the the requirements have not changed the design of the task however has changed right because what you now have is all these banks have these common standardized protocols these these computers can now talk to each other And this happens almost instantaneously because the the work has been structured, the data process communication has been structured in such a way that the computers can talk to each other automatically without, you know, cutting the people out of the process. Something like this can be done in a lot of tasks. We can say, well, you know, I used to work in an R&D facility, how do you do this for R&D? It is difficult, but feasible. Uh, you can think about some, I mean, most offshoring happens in knowledge-intensive work and software programming and consulting and so on. Um, where actually this is feasible, people do it. I mean, you cannot have uh, a platform like Linux if this kind of task design were not feasible because people who are working on Linux are scattered all over the globe. So the other thing that you could do is what we call tacit coordination. Tacit coordination is exchanging artifacts, is exchanging information in ways that are not by communication. That is, you and I are not talking to each other, but we are observing each other's work. Not
1: even written communication. Come again? Not even written
2: communication. Not even written communication. Okay. So, for example, if you go back to the software uh, example, or if you go back to, you know, if you think about an example like Wikipedia, what you have is you have a code. You have the repository out there, right? You have a Wikipedia article out there on remote work. If you think there is something incorrect about it, you can go and edit it yourself. You know what it says. The code is out there. You can go see what this code does. And if you think that This You need to add a new module that is going to make this code work better. You can see how that code is and you can start rewriting. And uh, the interesting thing that, for instance, some of the work, interesting work by Carlos Baldwin at Harvard, is that uh, platforms like Linux and Mozilla are written to make these kinds of interactions much more efficient than, say, Microsoft Office. Uh, Microsoft Office is much more integral. It it relied on the fact that people were actually sitting in cubicles next to each other. Uh, Whereas Mozilla has written by taking into account the fact that people are scattered across the globe. Mm -hmm. So these kinds of design considerations can be very healthy. So the interesting thing that I myself found in our work uh, when we studied offshoring is that companies were often discounting the power of what we call the modularization strategy or the tacit coordination strategy. And they were overemphasizing what I'm calling com- communication strategy, which is people getting on the phone or talking on video conferencing. All the time.
1: So what uh, are these, so tacit coordination, you already explained a bit. What are modularization and, and this communication modularization strategy? Modularization
2: is the, is the bank example. Okay. You standardize the protocols, you standardize the, you standardize the ways that, uh, pe- the, that people need to communicate information from one to the other, that it happens in a much more automated way than you having to put in specific effort each time. Okay. So you basically
1: silo individuals. So right. Each of them has their own task.
2: The coordination happening in the background.
1: Yeah. Okay. And the the communication is what I imagine is what's happening right now. Why, right? With everyone trying to move from the real office to the virtual office in the same way with constant ongoing communication.
2: Pretty much. Yeah. So one of the interesting things that, uh, that we have right now in the, is that people have had very little time to react, you know, I mean, it just burst on us, um, and because of that, people have not had time to actually design these modular protocols. People have not had time to think about how can I take this job and design it in such a way that they don't need to talk to each other, but this can happen in a designed way in the background. They have just not... I mean, this is a tedious process. It takes a lot of time and we have just not had time to do it.
1: Is it also, as we talk about it, is it also efficient? Because I think it breaks, at least at first glance, it breaks a lot of the social interaction between people that we seem to be missing.
2: That is a very interesting thing, which was something that I was going to actually touch on, Uh, which is we emphasize coordination a lot. But um, as we were uh, chatting just before, uh, I actually hate working from home and I hate working from home because I like to go to work. I like to talk to the people there. Uh, I like to bounce ideas off, off with my colleagues. I mean, it, it need not even be ideas, right? I mean, just talking to each other about what they are doing, what they are working on, if they have, you know, what their pets got up to is kind of, you know, it, it, it is socially engaging and social engagement leads to, you know, better motivation, more engagement with work. Now, suddenly that has been cut off. And uh, with that being cut off, it's it's. Um, it, I mean, it can lead to mental health issues for lots of people. Uh, it can. It is. It is simply breaking of habits for some people. I mean, for me, for instance, it's kind of a breaking of a habit. And to get used to a new habit of you know me commuting from downstairs to upstairs to where my office is is like uh, you know I need to get used to that. <laughs>
0: um, and. Um, So if we talk about the first example,
1: modularization, would that cut off this social interaction or not necessarily?
2: Not necessarily because modularization
0: need not, I will go back to the
2: habits. If you are working on a modular platform, so to speak, right? Over a period of time, you become um, habituated to it. So this is the way you work, and therefore you are not expecting the boost that you get from social interaction anymore, right? I mean, you get your fix from other places, right? Not from your colleagues, so to speak. Uh, That is one way to think about it. Uh, Another way to think about it is that you may be working with other people. I mean, like you can think about a shared office where you are actually not interdependent with anybody at all. I mean, this is like, you know, I mean, some of us academics, right? We go into our offices and we kind of do our work and our, our collaborators are spread across the globe. They don't necessarily, necessarily, we don't necessarily need to work with people in our own schools. But it's just nice to have them and chat with them and whatnot. The work is modular, but the social interaction has not gone away. Um, but of course, you know, once you are working from home, well, I mean, that's, that's a different matter.
1: That's, that's a totally different beast, I imagine, because then, then yeah. you don't have the social interaction either. So it feels like in this situation where we are now, this is not the best. We didn't get I the chance to do I mean, it, but maybe it's not the things best. It
0: is not the best, yes. I mean, another...
2: For example, another uh, another problem that I personally have, and I'm I'm sure a lot of people have, is that the infrastructure is just not great. Um, Even with this recording, I mean, I'm using my laptop camera and laptop mic. But if I were in my office, I would have like a, a whole set of headphones and my, you know, and. You know, super HD webcams. I mean, that is just well set up. Uh, for me, access to the library is a big thing. in the In the office, accessing uh, electronic resources is very easy. You just need to click, and it just shows up. Here, I need to jump through three hoops to you know get to the sign into the secure server, and then from there do some authentication. I mean, it's like and then it takes the right. right. Uh, there are all these very funny videos. I don't know if you had a chance to see them, where uh, pets are supremely annoyed that uh, you know, that uh, their uh, their people are at home, but they are not ignoring them. I mean, I saw this video of this cat that was uh, sitting on a person's laptop and simply refused to move, so they couldn't do any work. Right? I mean, these are things that uh, that That's you kinda it. need to work around. <laughs>
1: Like the video that was really really uh, it's really history with a guy having a really important conference or an interview, and the kids were barging in uh, with a maid.: which Oh yeah, was really yeah and that's, that's, that's but that's a, a really old one, but it's still happening, right? it's It's where we are right now.
2: <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, some of these things are are a bit of a problem, but on the other hand, you have some things going for, you, right, In the sense that you have been working with colleagues and they know you well. One of the interesting things that we found, I found in our offshoring work is that when uh, when there were problems, when, uh, you know, so suppose there's a person from China and there's a person from the US and they are working together, but some problem happened, there used to be a tendency to blame the other person. Um, so it was like, oh, they just don't get it, or, you know, They are not very interested in doing this work. This is, you know, they are just not as smart as we are. There was a tendency to blame this other person when it was really a problem of misunderstanding or miscommunication or or an improperly designed job. But, I mean, this is a version of what the psychologists call the fundamental attribution error. Fundamental attribution error is you don't blame the context, you blame the person. Um, and this was something that we used to see all the time in offshoring. My guess is with COVID-19, with people all seeing these things and you know having like really good experience of working with each other at work, that people are more forgiving. Or at least I hope they are more forgiving. I expect that they would be. They would be like, yeah, you know, I have worked with John for the last six years. You know, if something is not happening, there is perhaps his computer is not working well, or I know that John has a toddler. You know, he is he is taking care of the toddler and trying to work at the same time. So I I give you a lot of uh, lot of leeway, uh, and I think that is something that is going to help us a little bit overcome some of these issues, which. Uh, which were not happening. So uh, if you notice a lot of experts are talking about uh, how you need to build trust. Um, I'm not sure that you actually need to build trust. I think that you already have trust. You want to leverage that trust. Um, And you want to tell yourself that, well, I know so much about this person. I have been working with them for such a long time. Uh, I know some of the issues that they are facing, so I'm going to take that into account when I when I say this is what they need to do, right? Uh, a very interesting thing that some of my friends are bringing up is uh, people need to respect boundaries. Yes, it is true that there is nothing to do on the weekends. doesn't mean I need to work. Right? Uh, it's not like, you know, don't send me a text at 10 p.m. and expect a reply. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Uh, so that may be the situation we are in, where um, perhaps people are not respecting boundaries so much because uh, now that I have a mobile number, I'm just going to abuse it uh, rather than
1: uh... yeah, rather rather than just yeah, this this guy is free right now, so so I'll just cut him the exactly. slack and let him deal with his own issues at uh, at home. Uh, Srikant all of this, or so what we spoke in the last two minutes, right, about, about trust, about boundaries, uh, this belongs to what you call the tacit coordination, right? Is this, is this shared knowledge that, you know, I'm in a space where I cannot talk, you know that you can trust me because I have this and this knowledge, so I should just rely on you? Or is it something
2: different? So these are things, these are components of tacit coordination. Mm-hmm. So tacit coordination is very much about how will you get work done together? We have um, digressed a little bit into what we would like to call motivation issues.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, so well, if you take care of some of these motivation issues, your tacit coordination is going to happen much better. So they are kind of part and parcel of each other.
1: I had a question on, on this because part of what I read was on predictability and ability to anticipate, right? So you don't mm-hmm. have to constantly and ongoing communicate, you can just rely on each other, and the better the, the relationship is better if you can predict the other's action, if you can anticipate what they would do, if you understand what, their, what what their knowledge is and what you can rely on. Now I think it's easy to say it, but I think it's extremely, extremely hard to do. Mm-hmm. I work in recruitment just to give you an example, and one of the Things we rely on one of the things that drives performance is re- in recruitment is the, the relationship that you have with the hiring manager, right? And mm-hmm. the more you can predict to them and the more they can anticipate when you are going to bring them the right candidates, when they're going to have interviews, when they're going to hire, the more relaxed they are, the more trust they give you, right? Yeah. So there is an interdependency there, but it's not as easy to get as some would assume. And it's, it's, the, it was the same in, uh, offshoring session, uh, settings where I worked, right. Uh, you had a lot of ongoing communication, a lot of command and control just because this predictability, this, this ability to anticipate the other actions this this lack of shared knowledge was not there. So what, what would you say that we can do now, right? This is something that is happening right now as well, right. And we could use this, this uh, kind of mechanism and this knowledge, what can we use to predict each other's uh, actions, to anticipate? What can we do to share the
0: knowledge so this can happen and trust can build? There are... So, tacit coordination
2: has, is, in generally, is designed. It does not just happen. Okay. Um, so, the, the example I always like to give is... Uh, you can think about firms like Infosys and Accenture, right? They are in the same business at some level, right? Or at least they used to be The yep. They're kind of in the same business, but Infosys is way more efficient than Accenture simply because Infosys has spent a lot of time building up this tacit coordination mm-hmm. uh, within their firm. Accenture has not done that so much. Acc- Accenture has put a lot of emphasis on um, communicating. Uh, this used to be the case like 10 years back when I was doing the study. I, I don't
0: know how they are right now. Um,
1: so what did they do? Yeah, what did they do exactly to build this?
2: So um, it, 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 it has to do with training Uh, It has to do with uh, following uh, well-understood processes. It had to do with staffing projects such that there were people who got along well with each other and who could work well with each other. And this working well with each other just simply does not mean that A liked B. It meant that A could actually predict what B was trying to do because they had this good understanding of how they would approach a work problem. So, these were all designed. So, now coming back to this situation that we have right now, we don't have the luxury of designing. What can we do? What we could do is we can leverage our prior history of working with this person. So, if you can make teams such that it is staffed with people who have worked with each other for a long period of time, then they can automatically do this tacit coordination because they are able to predict. Just like what you were saying, if you have worked with a hiring manager before for some time, you have, you know, you have filled several positions for them, you kind of understand what they are looking for and, and how to how to satisfy what they are looking for with, with fewer trials. So prior history and a shared culture of shared culture within the organization of this is how we approach work, this is how we think about things. This is what we value. So, for instance, we could say that, I mean, going back to your hiring example, we could say that as as an organization in this team, we are going to emphasize people skills much more than technical skills because we think we we are going to help train people on technical skills. So, this is a shared understanding that you have between yourself and the hiring manager that you have built up with. So, you can use this to, when you filter candidates, you can use this. So, these are all examples of tacit coordination that you can use now. Your prior experience, leveraging your shared culture, uh, understanding the context. And finally, something you could do is you could have a lot of repositories. So, instead of you and I talking to each other, we can have a shared Google Doc where we, we write something, we have comments, and the other person looks at it and then they add back to the comments and they change things. They can say, hey, you know, I mean, Yulia, I know that you always emphasize this, but in this instance, I expect that this is going to be more important. So we can have these, these are asynchronous ways of coordinating. It does not mean that, I mean, I'm at the beginning of my day, you are at the end of your day, but the work can still go on if we can have asynchronous, right? So I have your thoughts recorded. And I kind of know how you think. So I can start working with the notion that you are going to be happy with whatever I'm doing. And this, yeah, I mean, this if you cannot design it, there are only two ways you can do it. You can either leverage your history or you can leverage your culture.
1: Got it. Now, we we spoke about a third mechanism, and then I'll come back to all three of them to understand which one is better, if there is, is one which is better. So we spoke about ongoing communication. And actually, uh, I'm not sure if you managed, if you had a, a chance, I don't think you uh, had yet a chance to uh, look at the research that uh, Panish Puranam and Marco Minervini did just a few days ago. They conducted a survey online asking people about about the situation and what they're doing uh, with remote work. Uh, They had about 430 replies. It's online online already. Uh, And then what they saw is a lot of focus on ongoing communication, right? Out of the three methods you you mentioned, Mm -hmm. ongoing communication is right now the focus. So is this helpful? Is it okay to be 24-7 communicating or not? What could be the positives? What could be the negatives of doing this?
2: The, this is very similar to what I found in my research, which is that even when all this was planned and so on, uh, managers still seem to emphasize ongoing communication. Uh, so they were over-investing in communication. They were over-investing in video conferencing, things like that. Um, than in some of the other two mechanisms. Uh as I see it, the exact same thing is going on, of course. I mean, the problem, the, the advantage is that from 10 years back to now, you know, Zoom did not exist before. Now Zoom is kind of great, right? Uh, some of these things have become much easier. Um, webcams have become integrated into your hardware much more easily. But you still do not get around the problem that you are at the end of your day and at the beginning of It still does not get around the problem that just exactly when we have our scheduled uh, conference call, my kid is screaming and uh, I really need to take care of it. So I do not see this, I mean, I can see this as a useful stopgap arrangement. I do not see this as a very useful long term arrangement.
0: Um,
2: If this crisis is going to go on for like next month or next two months, which is easily possible. Uh, Mm. I think relying mainly on video conferencing and and messengers and chat is not going to work. People need to find asynchronous ways of communicating, which is using Google Docs, shared repositories, uh, leveraging common understanding so that people can pick up work and drop off work, as uh, as things uh, as their uh, life events permit, I believe that is going to become much more interesting i I saw that report and there was something that was very interesting in that report to me and it showed that uh, the people who were more productive working from home I mean, there were about 40% of the people who said that the productivity increased and the other 60% said that it's about the same or it decreased. It was decreased, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. One of the very interesting things about the people for whom productivity increased were uh, people who were kind of senior. Yeah. That is, managers of managers. Right, managers of managers, people who were senior, and those who already had experience working from home. If you remember, we were talking about infrastructure issues. We were talking about distraction issues. If people who already had experience from working from home, um, they have probably already taken care of some of these. I mean, I may even go out on a limb and say, managers or managers perhaps have older kids, right? That they don't need to sit with all the time.
1: Uh, yeah, older kids, we even said that maybe wealth is, is at play because maybe they earn more, so they, they, they have a bigger house with a separate office.
2: Right, they can have a separate office, right? Yeah, um, uh, Autonomy was at play well, as
1: well. So, so yeah, we, like, there were a
0: few, a few uh, hypotheses surrounding that. And uh, finally, one need to ask
2: ourselves, I mean, one of the interesting things that people keep saying is that as you become a manager, uh, your production time decreases and your meeting time
0: Right. Um, so
2: I mean, if you if you go the Google way, I mean, uh, or the Amazon way, where they are like you know, meetings are a waste of time and we need to get to work, um, perhaps that is what is happening to them. And now that they are being forced not to be in meetings, they are perhaps getting a lot more work done <laughs> than they normally would. I can see how that would work. (laughs) So, uh, so there is some very interesting data in there, but it needs to uh, be—we need to parse down, uh, parse it down a little bit more to really understand where this is coming from. Uh, It it, it is actually very fascinating what they found. Very curious to uh, to see how much follow-up work can be done on that.
1: It will be because it's left online so people can still answer. So so we are okay. all still promoting it so we can get as many answers as possible and then update people in real time, right? So maybe once a week or once every two weeks, just add to the information and, and let them know where, where we are. Yeah. Uh, I have a question, Srikant. Do you think that these three ways of coordinating, right, are they... Do they happen at the same time? Are these are they stages through which companies go? Because some of them require more design. Some of them can be done more on the spot, like ongoing communication, right? Where you have modularization or you have tacit coordination, you, you as you said, you need a bit more design. So do they happen in different stages? Or should companies say, hey, this is what we can modularize. This is what, where we can have a bit of tacit coordination. So how, how should they think about all three of them?
0: Ideally, all three, so if you think about uh, the production function,
2: you need both capital and labor.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, You cannot get rid of labor and just have capital. You cannot get rid of capital, just have labor. But you can substitute for them at some point. I think of these three mechanisms that way. One does not make the other go away but one can substitute for the other at the margins. And for different companies and for different kinds of work that you do, the this rate of substitution is going to be different. For some kinds of jobs and some kinds of firms, uh, modularity would be easier. For some kinds of jobs and some kinds of firms, classic coordination is going to be easier. And as you rightly pointed out, the for someone who hasn't thought about it very much and hasn't done a lot of legwork, the only thing they can do is communication. I mean, like they can't do anything else because they have, been, they have been forced into a situation where they have not been able to make these investments up front.
0: Um, the question to ask
2: right now is, as you move forward... Where is it easier for you to invest? Is it easier for you to invest in passive coordination? Is it easier for you to invest in modularity? I do not have data on this. My hunch is it is easier to invest in passive coordination because you already have this rich history of working together. Um, Wouldn't uh,
1: it be also better long-term? I think modularization you can do at any given time at some point, right, and just split tasks, but whereas this might seem like it can help long term as well because it builds trust, it builds shared knowledge, or it's just a thought but?
2: That is unclear to me which, is, which one is better long term. Okay. Um, the examples that we do have of the most successful work is modular work. Um, because once you do once you do modularize, then you can actually spend a lot of effort improving the components individually. So it is quite unclear to me, or I mean, I haven't seen data that suggests that one is better than the other long-term. Um, on the other hand, my impression is right now it is easier to start with tacit coordination than with modularization. Because modularization does actually mean that your work changes in significant enough ways. And uh, somebody needs to do a process study, they need to do business process reengineering. then there needs to be you know, different kinds of training. Um, that seems to be a little bit difficult to pull off in this kind of situation, but leveraging what we already know about our coworkers and leveraging how we used to work as a team and, and use that, uh, what, we, what we already know, we end up using that to, uh, to make some leaps of faith seems to be something that is more feasible and easier in the short term.
1: Got it. Thank you so much. Um, I have another question, and uh, this is something that I kept hearing uh, everyone in academia talk about, and this is about co-located communication versus what we could, you would have more technically driven remote solutions, right? The video and chat. Why, and this is for personal experience more, why do we believe that always collocated communication is better? Because I find that sometimes running meetings online, even if they are difficult, complex meetings, people tend to focus better. And in the end, you are not looking at each other. You are looking most probably at a screen. Or some common document you have uh, you have together, you have the ability to see each other if you want. You have the ability to talk if you want. You can do it from wherever, whenever. So why do we always say that collocated is better than remote?
2: Collocated is better than remote simply because you have a lot of other cues that help provide. Uh,
0: Help provide a grounding for the context and the situation. Um,
2: so, the how do we call it? So, when we talk about passive coordination, it's all about leveraging other kinds, uh, other kinds of knowledge that you have other than what you are talking to each other. When you are co-located, all those other kinds of knowledge you are automatically taking into account. So, you can think about co-located communication as communication and tacit coordination happening simultaneously. When you are doing it by video, this tacit coordination component drops off. All you have is what you are talking about each other. So I go back to the example that you were talking about where you say, you know, if you have a shared document, you are looking at it, right? That is actually something very interesting because what you are doing is, apart from the communication, you are bringing in some of the tacit component back in by having a shared document that everybody is looking at at the same time and everybody is. You know, especially if you are annotating and people can see these annotations simultaneously. right? Uh, This is all components of tacit coordination that you are bringing in with your communication, so suddenly it feels like communication is better. But think about an example where everybody is on the phone, nobody is on a video, uh, right? And they don't have a common document. right? They have kind of a loose agenda and uh, and they are just not. That That's definitely unproductive. Mine is not going to be great. It was actually very interesting. I was speaking with a friend of mine just two or three days back and uh, he was complaining a little bit about uh, working from home saying that uh, the meetings are not very efficient and, is not very comfortable. And um, after a little bit of questioning, I figured out two things that were going on. One is, for this person, English is a second language. And uh, English being a second language, he was much more comfortable and felt like his expertise were coming through if he were sitting in front of a person rather than speaking on the phone, because on the phone, it felt like, you know, people were not paying a lot of attention to him because his language was not um, as fluent as these. The second reason was, given that for him language is somewhat of an issue, he was heavily reliant on visual cues to, uh, to figure out whether the other person was following what he was saying. And he was using these visual cues to tailor his message on the fly to ensure that this other person was understanding some of the technical things that he was trying to explain. Suddenly, all this is wrong uh, when they were uh, talking on the phone, rather than, uh, rather than on, um, on, uh, rather than face to face. So these are some of the things. I mean, like. Though we can say that this was kind of peculiar to a person who has English as a second language, you can think about it. If you're talking about complex subject matters, we actually rely on visual cues to figure out whether the other person is actually comprehending what you're saying, what, whether they are understanding, whether they are agreeing. You know, if you are frowning, if you are, you know, if, you, if your eyebrows go up, I'm like, okay, I need to provide a little bit more information here because uh So it is for these reasons that people think that uh, co-located communication is much better. It it provides this additional component that, and that is why people, for instance, prefer video conferencing over audio. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I I, I hear you. And then maybe I'm in a fortunate situation where I have two or three screens surrounding me so I can have a document on one, I can see the faces uh, on the other, and I can juggle between them because I've been doing right. this work from home for, for about uh, 10 years now. So I do have right. the right setup. I, I, I stumbled
2: on, on, of the and, setup, you also have a lot of expertise now on how yeah. to make these work.
1: <laughs> True. Thanks so much for sharing, but indeed you are, you are right. Now I do have one more question related to your research, which is, I know you've also studied, uh, diversity in, uh, and uh, team performance mm-hmm. and, uh, does that, can that translate in any way to the situation that we are facing right now, especially with people having to communicate across borders, across cultures, across time zones, all remote? Can we get any uh, learnings from that? Or just general learnings, if not?
2: So One of the most interesting things that we learned from my work on diversity uh, is this propensity for the fundamental attribution error we are much more likely to commit the fundamental attribution error, that is blame the person rather than the situation or the context with with, um, more diverse people than with people that we are more intimately familiar. Um, There is much more research that needs to be done on this, but it seems to be a fairly uh, common proposition that diversity matters simply because we are we are more likely
0: to, to
2: to to attribute the inability of someone to get the work done to their personal characteristics like you know they are too lazy or they are not working too well right uh, rather than uh, situations along the lines of saying, perhaps they are having a home situation that is making it difficult for them. Perhaps their office setup is not very good right now and they are not, right? Perhaps they have bandwidth issues. Perhaps they have, right? Um, So, here is a simple example. Uh, When I work with some of my colleagues, I turn my video off. And... uh, I turned my video off because uh, sometimes the bandwidth in my home is not too good. And so uh, I think that having the having the voice communication is more important. And if I turn the video off, I feel like I can have much more clarity in what I'm hearing. In one instance, it so happened that when I turned my video off, the person on the other end interpreted it as I'm not providing 100% concentration on my call, that I'm doing something else, and that's why I turned the video. This kind of a situation is, this kind of a misinterpretation is much more likely to happen with people we perceive as others
0: rather than our friends. Uh,
2: So this is something that, I'm hoping it's not going to be a big problem here because what we are doing now is we are actually interacting much more closely with our remotely with colleagues that we have been working much more closely with in the past. It is going to be much more of a problem, for instance, with the new hire. Yeah. It's going to be more of a problem with the the with the with the person that you have always been working remotely with. It is going to be a problem with somebody who has just been promoted, for instance, right? And, and have a slightly different job description. This is where I expect these to be much more problematic uh, than diversity per se. But again, hopefully, Panish's data will say something about it.
1: <laughs> if we were to summarize uh, three, four takeaways out of our discussion, something that HR, business leader, employees could learn from, from, from this. What would be those three, four takeaways?
2: Okay, so my first takeaway would be people generally tend to overemphasize the effectiveness of video conference. They really overemphasize that. And they underemphasize the effectiveness of some of the other coordination mechanisms that we have, especially tacit coordination. They should think much more carefully about how they can make tacit coordination work for them. Um, They should think much more carefully about how to get uh, asynchronous coordination going. For instance, can they provide repositories? Can they provide shared documents? Can they provide things that people can dip in and dip out of rather than everybody having to work on on the same thing at the same time. The second thing, as I would suggest, is to be mindful of the context. People working from home have all kinds of problems that you perhaps do not always have insights on. They could have uh, Cats that are overly needy to kids who you know, want to play with Dada, and uh, so that sh- that understanding should. Uh, I mean, I was appalled when I read an article, I think, in the New York Times, where it said something like uh, there were managers who essentially said that uh, you can, like, you know, have designated bio breaks from 11:15 to 11:30, and things like that, and all the other time, they should always be visible on their vector. Like, I mean, it's exactly the wrong thing to do.
0: Um, the third thing I would do is that
2: going to the office, um, and uh, it's not just about getting work done, it's also about socialization. Um, it is also about getting people motivated, getting people into the work zone, um so anything that as a company that you can do to help people motivated and you know help them out of social isolation is a good thing so you don't always need to have scheduled meetings just to talk about work I mean, you can have unscheduled meetings just calling somebody having an informal skype conversation say hey how are you doing uh what's going on in your life did you see this new movie on hbo i mean some of these things
0: Have value, especially in this situation. And the last thing that I would like to emphasize
2: is uh, respect boundaries. Uh, Respect people's boundaries, respect that there is, you know, evenings and weekends, you know. uh, Respect that there may be things going on that you are not necessarily observing. So have this, provide this benefit of doubt don't automatically jump to conclusions based on what, uh, what you can see because there is, there is a whole iceberg below the water. Okay. So those were the four things that I would, um, I would emphasize. Right, now.
0: Srikant,
1: thank you very, very much for your time today. Thank you for all your knowledge sharing. Thank you for the research you are doing. And looking forward to talking to you again.
2: Wonderful. Thank you, Yulia. I really appreciate the opportunity.